0: Welcome to the 21st Century Schizoid Podcast. I'm your host, Cooper Cherry. Today we have the uh, pleasure of having Mark Bristol on. Mark is a writer, director, and storyboard artist. Uh, He's located here in Austin these days. And uh, Mark, man, I kind of hate you because you've been on so many of my absolute favorite projects ever, (laughs) (laughs) going back to, I think, Days to Confused, but also... The Thin Red Line, Memento, which are probably like that's those are like my top two movies ever. Right. I would I would dare say that The Thin Red Line might be my absolute favorite movie of all time. So
1: <laughs> it is certainly one of the ones that I am most proudest to have uh, played a small part in. Yeah.
0: So the the last time we spoke, and that I think that was the uh, spring of 2009 at South by Southwest. I distinctly remember. Uh, we were talking about you working with Christopher Nolan on Memento, and I remember you kind of saying an anecdote about how he probably just hired you to hear Terrence Malick stories. So I'm I'm going to ask you to start us off. Can do? You, can you think of a good Terry Malick story for us?
1: well i can uh i can think of uh, of many if not we uh, can, can come back to it later no, if you can, a I, i've got a, a very funny one all right let's do that uh, which I've told before but and, and, but uh hopefully none of your listeners have uh, have read this or heard this but so uh let's see here going back in time uh this would have been like nineteen ninety five I've moved to Los Angeles and i had uh you know been doing some movies here, like Days Confused, and a lot of TV shows that were coming through town, and you know, uh, short films, student films, anything I could do to build my resume. Right. And as, as a storyboard artist, and my whole goal was to, uh, you know, eventually get out to Los Angeles. But at, at that time, being my, you know, mid to early twenties, I had no idea how to do that. But uh, I eventually got an agent, a storyboard agent, out in Los Angeles, and so I packed my Honda Civic and 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 took off. You know for hollywood and and i made kind of a, a pledge to myself i said no more student films no more low budget films i'm going to hollywood and i'm going to start working on the big movies so i had a little studio up in hollywood you know i kind of set myself up and i was all ready to go and this is like literally maybe my first week or two that i was there um i get a phone call and i had just done a, a film that emilio estevez had directed here in austin called um oh shoot it's been so long uh it's with it in his father um uh was in it as well who was of course in badlands and so i get this call when i arrive in los angeles uh hi uh um, this is terry and and i I saw your your boards on amelio's film and i just thought they were really neat and i'm putting together this little movie and i thought well it might be interesting to storyboard some of it Um, You know, give me a call. I'd love to talk to you about it. So just this humble, wonderful message from back home in Austin. Um, And, you know, but again, this was in complete conflict (laughs) with my new mantra. No more low budget movies, you know, no more first time directors, you know. So I didn't I didn't I didn't call this person back. And (laughs) uh, and and like another week went by and and I got a a, he called again. And this time I, I answered the phone. And had this delightful conversation with, with, with this man called Terry, and and again in my mind I'd already compartmentalized him as a low budget, no experienced filmmaker, and so you know he was telling me about what he kept saying was this little movie, and that's how he kept phrasing it, and that he'd never done storyboards before, but he thought they looked really neat, and and you know, and some of my sort of initial questions were, well, you know, I said, well, have you directed anything before? And he's like, oh, I, I've done a couple things, you know. Again, so humble. And, oh my God. And, and so again, but that's another check on, okay, he doesn't have a lot of experience. <laughs> and, and I said, well, you know, have you ever storyboarded? No, you know, but I think it would be really useful. You know, another check. Okay, first timer. And, um, and so, you know, we had this delightful conversation. And, and I, I, <laughs> I ended up saying, well, if you haven't had much experience directing, and if you haven't had much experience with storyboarding, maybe I could recommend some books on the subject. And you could explore those oh thinking my that God. You know, this might just <laughs> satiate him. And so I, I recommended the making of Terminator 2 because at the back of the book, it has all these great storyboards and the making of Jurassic Park, oh man. right? Which are so in, you know, Terry Malick's, uh, you know, wheelhouse. Right in his wheelhouse. So, but he was so kind. He's like, oh, yeah, I think I've seen those. I'll be sure to check that out. And so as, as, a, as a final sort of, you know, polite blow off, I, I said... Well, you know, you know, if you ever come out to Los Angeles, I'd be happy to help you. Uh, uh, you know, give me a call when you do. Oh, wonderful. Thank you so much. We'll talk soon. Click. I never thought I'd hear from <laughs> him again. You know, no way this guy's going to come out right? to Los Seriously. Angeles on this little movie. Oh my God. So life went by, you know, maybe a month or two went by, and he calls again and leaves a message. I'm coming out to Los Angeles soon, and, and I'd love to meet, uh, to talk about my movie. And, and I'm like, wow, this guy is tenacious. <laughs> So I finally called a buddy of mine, uh, Cardi Talkington. We had done a movie called Love and 45. And he's a Texas filmmaker. And I'm like, Cardi, you know, there's this guy. He keeps calling me. He says he's a a filmmaker. I'm not so sure. His name is Terry Malick. He's like, Terrence Malick? Oh, my God. Terrence Malick hasn't called anybody in 30 years. He calls you and you blew him off? Oh, my God. And then when he said, Badlands and Days of Heaven, I was like, holy shit. Holy shit. (laughs) Because <laughs> of course I knew those movies. I just didn't connect right. Terry Malick with it, Terrence Malick. Right. And 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 you know he, again he was so humble. And and so I was like oh my gosh. So needless to say I call him back and and I go up to Mike Metavoy's home and out of the front door comes Bill Paxton and Terry and you know his little movie of course was The Thin Red Line. And it has turned out to be one of for me again I was like twenty. Six, You know, so I was this young buck out in Los Angeles. And, you know, I was in, you know, my first meeting, I remember walking up. It was in uh, Warner Brothers Hollywood. And this classic old, you know, 1930s Warner Brothers lot. And there's this other gentleman who's kind of looking lost like me. And, you know, and it's George Stevens Jr. Who found, you know, his dad was George Stevens. And he founded, you know, the American Film Institute, which helped launch, you know, david lynch and uh so you know so i'm already like wow okay and then we go into the meeting and and there the producer had just done titanic uh and then there's terry uh who had already met at mike metavoy's house and and with jack fisk who was the production designer who was another texan uh like terry and of course jack has done all of terry's movies and, and 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 david lynch's and then John Toll, who had just won the Academy Award for Braveheart, and then little Mark Bristol. So I'm sitting there at this at this table, you know, and 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 what Terry, you know, wanted to do, having never a story before, but uh, was the Guadalcanal landing. That was the big, you know, he'd never done anything in that scope right. before. So that's really what we set out to do. And so we just had little pin, you know, pin like like push pens and paper clips. Like the paper clips were the landing craft and the push pins were like the the larger ships and and you know we would basically just start mapping out the shots and and uh working through you know you know john and terry and it was really neat. terry took me aside at one point in the conversation and was telling me about his style you know how he likes to frame things and how he likes to see things and so You know, it's just this, I mean, that's what's so great about being a storyboard artist is you have this unbelievable opportunity to, you know, go deep into the creative process of these filmmakers that you so admire, you know, like the David Finchers, Christopher Nolans, Chris McCrory, you know, Terrence Malick and uh, and just, you know, you are helping them to visualize this thing that they have in their head, right? Some of it is very clear and, and very clearly articulated, like, you know, John Lee Hancock. Uh, on uh, on the films I've done with him uh, recently, the founder, you know, it's, he knows exactly what he wants, and you're just literally dictating his shots. But others are much more loose, you know, and much more open and collaborative, and, and just sort of feeling their way through it. And and so, I mean, that to me is, you know, I I, I ended up getting an English degree at University of Texas, um, and but for me, these the storyboard sessions are are the best. Film make film school you could ever ever, uh, you know, attend, and so okay. for me, you know, getting to learn and listen to John Toll and Terrence Malick and how they work through problems and how they approach creativity and was just you know an amazing experience, and and uh, uh, you know, listening to Terry struggling with things, think, you know, like the Steadicam now is is so a part of his, uh, you know, his lexicon of style, right? Right. If that's an even appropriate term, but. Um, you know, but I remember we, he asked me to storyboard. Remember the scene where they're, they're running through the Japanese bivouac and they're just gunning people down and oh, the yeah. Japanese are falling back and praying and so powerful and the Hans Zimmer music. I still listen to that soundtrack probably once or twice a week. Um, uh, but anyway, Terry at the time did not want to use SETI cams. He really did not care for them at all. And so he wanted me to storyboard that whole sequence as one long continuous dolly so that action would be coming in and in front of and away from the dolly, but the dolly is just heading straight and all this, this, this you know, the action and, and chaos of war is, is moving in front of you. And so he had very specific beats that he wanted to have happen. And so, you know, in storyboarding that they could see it for the first time. And I think that's when, you know, John Toll rightfully was trying to get Terry to move more toward, well, you know, this is, this is great, but we could do so much more with Steadicam. And moving, you know, and techno cranes and moving through the jungle and and all these different perspectives, as opposed to just one, which at the time was Fife, who was Adrian Brody, who ended up only having one line of dialogue in the movie, (laughs) but at the time he was the main character. And um, so anyway, it was just, you know, it's again, it's just fascinating for me just to be there, to see kind of that evolution of, of of a filmmaker as he's as he's exploring these things, and that's what storyboards do so well. It allows you in a very sort of, you know, two-dimensional uh, way to visualize, you know, these things and figure out is this the right direction or not. And I remember another thing he had me do was storyboard a really violent moment that was in the book. Um, and it was a scene because we were very, we knew that Spielberg was making Saving Private Ryan. And we had heard that it was very realistic and gory and, and, and you know, appropriately uh, showing the horror of war, and, and you know, but so Terry kind of reluctantly asked me to to draw this scene where the the soldiers are going up over this berm. Uh, he gave me the passage in the book, and and it, going up over this berm, and one of them gets their head completely blown off and falls backwards, and and so I took that and I, I drew a sequence of I think three drawings that showed the the soldier going up, you know, literally having his head you know exploding and and falling you know uh and, and and terry when i showed it to him oh he was like oh 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 no no this oh this is just too horrible oh i could never do this you know and and it started this whole discussion in the room between all the other you know uh titans that were in there of just well you know terry i mean this is a war movie you know and, <laughs> and spielberg's doing this thing and and this is where i the, the treat really opened up because you know People like Terrence Malick and and Tommy Lee Jones, obviously two Harvard grads and just, you know, these incredible uh, uh, minds. He started pulling in, you know, examples of Shakespeare and Tabuki theater and all these classical references to back up how and why he couldn't show the violence. He knew he could find a way to still impart the horror of war to you, but he just, he couldn't show the blood. And he couldn't show the gore and when you watch the movie there's only like one splatter of blood on the grass like even when um uh uh, oh the i forget the character uh he pulls the pin right oh yeah and realizes it's still the grenade is still attached to his belt and he dives on it and and, you know basically blows half of his body up you never you never see the violence woody harrelson Woody, woody harrelson exactly so you know terry was able to because he was so against for his own reasons showing it but he still found a way to just make you just realize just what a travesty <laughs> more so than you know i think dunkirk recently also did a beautiful job of of imparting that you know it, it, you know it did it, it affected me more and i know it did you um just about the loss and travesty and how far man had fallen from you know the the purity of the of, of, of nature in the jungle then showing the gore and the violence you know that probably you know that probably would have detracted it was so right for saving private ryan right and that style but in in terry's you know tone poem it, it, it wouldn't have worked so anyway uh a long story actually because <laughs> uh, it's just one of my you know most cherished movies and and, and yes um christopher nolan uh only wanted to hear these stories (laughs) right being such a huge you know i think i was his you know main conduit at the time and so we would just sit around and yeah i would just tell these stories and tell how terry works and you know how he storyboard you know basically i just told these stories and tried to impart some of what terry does and and then chris and i i only worked with him for two weeks a week maybe it was very short we only did the opening and the ending of the movie so that he could make sure that those were completely mapped out right. because obviously everything else hinges off of that. And there were a couple other moments throughout it that he needed to be very clear about because it all traced back to that. So it really wasn't, I wasn't on it very long. I honestly, I I, I, I am so good at archiving all my work, but somehow, somewhere I lost all the mementos storyboards. I don't know where they are. I, you know, actually, where they probably are, this only just now occurred to me. <laughs> nice. They're on the DVD. Like, you can you can see the storyboards for the movie on the DVD. And you know what? I probably turned them in so that they could digitize them for the DVD, and I never got them back. That makes sense. Yeah. I think that's probably what happened. Anyway, and they're not my favorite storyboards, because I was rushed. I was actually working on another movie. But um, so anyway, that's that's some of the... Early, uh, early uh, first days in, in, in Hollywood uh, uh, getting started. Wow.
0: Well, <laughs> you blowing off, Terry. I mean, I don't know if you could tell, but I was literally had tears <laughs> running out
1: of my eyes. Well, I was like, oh, my it, God. It, it is wow. such a good story. That you know, is great. That's secret. That I would, you know, other, t- you know, I meet everywhere you go. You meet other filmmakers, commercial directors, you know, even on The Mummy. Alex Kurtzman, who's just one of my favorite people to ever have worked for you know on the mummy he had terry malik uh, you know uh, uh, screenshots of terry malik films all over his office and you watch you know i know the the, the shots from the movie that are very malik inspired it's like you meet he's had such a massive influence um so you know that story you know when people find out i've worked with malik oh well you know how was it and it's always a fun story to tell, right seriously right? And, and even premiere magazine you know did it somehow it like got to them and they asked me to tell it again and so (laughs) it's been fun to kind of you know uh tell it and, and, and to terry's great honor uh you know he it never it never came up you know it never it never came up that i was i think i think to him he knew i was really young and you know had he'd been gone for 20 years so what can you expect i think it was endearing to him that I wasn't some, you know, sycophant, you right, know, and that, yeah, some true. just uber fan, <laughs> uh, you know, I, and so, you know, thankfully he, you know, invited me back uh, later for uh, um, Tree of Life and, you know, he's, he's just a treasure. I mean, he's like working with your favorite uh, philosophy professor, you know, because it's not just about filmmaking, it's about exploring and feeling and thoughts and, you know, it's 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 such a thrill to uh step into that that world with him
0: definitely um so i that man that was a great way to start but let's kind of i want to reverse course a little bit and just kind of hear a little bit about what got you into storyboarding in the first place like where did you and i guess i've lately i've gotten back into comic books and i feel like that's a great entry point for storyboarding were you did you grow up on comics at all
1: well, I did, but that was not at all where where the spark came from. You um, know, I was really into Sergeant Rock. I'm a huge World War II history buff, so I was really into... I wasn't into any of the Marvel at all. It was mainly World War II comics. Uh, and Then later in high school, I discovered through Heavy Metal Magazine, all of which are still my favorite, like Mobius, uh, you know, the French. So many European artists were more my style um but for me i mean really we're you know ever since star wars i've just been obsessed and committed to filmmaking even you know even though i couldn't articulate at that time at eight years old (laughs) i just knew somehow that was going to be my world and 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 then i was always drawing i mean ever since i was just a tiny you know kid i've been drawing endlessly and so you know prior to star wars i was drawing you know army men in you know endlessly and as soon as star wars came all i drew was star wars and so and you know the the and my dad both my parents but my dad you know would take me to see you know any movie i mean we'd go see apocalypse now when i was 11 and you know i mean they dropped me off at jaws with a friend <laughs> when i was six years old you know i mean it just you know to this day i'm terrified of the ocean but still the, you know movies were just a huge part of growing up And, and art was, you know, between the two, those were my greatest passions. And so it was kind of a, a, you know, an easy path toward it, but it really wasn't until 1981 when Raiders Lost Art came out and they published an illustrated screenplay. I still have it right over there. It's, uh, it had the script and the storyboards. Oh, very cool. Joe Johnston, who's gone on to become a really wonderful director. Uh, I just immediately gravitated toward his style. I love the way it was simple lines, but it was very detailed. It said everything. The compositions were great. But so for to me, it was like, wow, I didn't know an artist could help the director who I just, you know, Spielberg was like, was my favorite director. And how, how did this artist help this filmmaker create this movie that I love so much? And so i started tracing the drawings i you know what's a dolly shot you know and this is this is 1981 there's no internet i was living right. in, at the time in montana i don't even know how i got this book <laughs> and uh you know but there was no way you just had to figure it out you know what is this arrow oh i remember from watching the movie Oh, that the camera's moving that way okay oh and this arrow here means the camera's pushing in or so you know just literally just living with that book um started me making my own storyboards and then again you know through the 80s um there were no iPhones there was no easy access you either had a, a 16 millimeter film camera or maybe if you were you know wealthy you could start to have a video camera but they were you know very hard to, they were non-accessible so what did i have i had i had storyboards i had artwork and so i would come up with my own movies or even scenes you know Terminator Two, even be, you know before there was one, just coming up with scenes that were inspiring. I'd listen to music, and that would inspire like a scene, and I would just start storyboarding it. And and so that you know train, I just trained myself um, through high school, through college. You know, I wanted to go to USC, but uh, it just wasn't possible. Uh, so I ended up you know going to University of Texas, and I, I started in their film department. But at the time, I just I didn't, it, didn't, it wasn't a good fit. Um, Slacker had just come out. Everybody wanted to make those kind of movies, which was completely not the kind of movies I wanted to make or be involved in. And so I just didn't really jive with the film department. And so I, you know, to me, I already knew what I wanted to do. I knew storyboarding was, my, was, was what I was going to start with, and that was going to lead to writing and directing. At the, well, actually, at the time, I had no idea writing would even be a pathway. But I knew storyboarding would lead to directing, and and so storyboarding was what I was com- completely focused on to get me started. And um, so I ended up getting an English degree just to get out of UT, right, just to graduate. And I figured, well, if, if you're going to be a filmmaker, if you're going you need to know how to tell stories, and you need to learn from the you know the greatest storytellers of you know of all time, um, and mainly just graduate. And, and move on because you know exactly what you want to do. And so uh, really wasn't I, – I had a very lucky break. I'll, I'll kind of go back because when I was in, back in high school, uh, I was on the baseball team, uh, it, like an intramural baseball team, and Bill Whitliffe was my coach, oh, yeah. right? I think I may have told you the story a while back. And uh, Bill Whitliffe wrote Lonesome Dove, uh, my, one of my childhood favorite films, Black Beauty um and so he was my coach his son was on my team and and I really sucked that year it's horrible I I, I, I I needed glasses I didn't know it couldn't see a thing and so basically I was on the bench all the time which suited me just fine because I would <laughs> just sit there and talk to Bill about movies you know and, and about uh you know what he'd worked on and 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 just you know and and eventually our parents kind of got to be friends and and he invited me over to his office and So i would show him all those early storyboards that i was doing right by now i'm in college so i was doing a lot of other artwork and it was all movie related like i never painted i never did anything it was all just things that were in my head i would just draw them you know and always seemed like it had some sort of movie related thing anyway so bill was so kind and so gracious and sort of you know would give me help you know suggestions and and, a mentor and uh then my just after i graduated 93, um, he had a TV show that was coming to town. And I'll never forget, you know, he hired me to do some initial storyboards for the show. And he wrote a check and he leaned across his desk and gave me the check and said, welcome to the film industry, kid. <laughs> you know, I mean, that was just the coolest wow, of man. all time. So, so I did that TV show in 93. And of course, as is, you know, the path, the production manager from that TV show went to Days Confused, right? There's no other storyboard artist in the state of Texas at that time. So who are they going to call? You know, this this (laughs) young kid.
0: Got the market cornered.
1: Right, I had it cornered completely (laughs) and utterly. Um, And so, you know, dazed. And then again, that that production manager or that producer or whomever goes off. Oh, here's a strange story. Legion, right? Which I just worked on last year. Um, John Cameron, who was, I think, the first AD on Days Confused is now... You know the producer of legion wow. so again it all you know kind of comes full circle but the point is it's connections right you know one connection one person you've worked for leads to the next and the next and the next and the next um and uh yeah so it's been you know 20 year, 23 years later and uh, almost 70 movies and thousands of commercials well maybe not thousands but like a <laughs> thousand and one commercials and music videos and uh, lots of television commercials. Um, so it's just been, you know, uh, it's been an amazing journey. Wow.
0: Uh, yeah, I think actually the Whitliffe Gallery was at Texas State in the library. It still is, yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah. Uh, I haven't been back, but I would assume, yeah, it's still there, like you said. Um, we'll definitely come back, circle around the Legion, because I definitely, I love that show. That was great. Um, but I want to hear a little bit more about the collaborative process because, you know, you're trying to translate these people's ideas onto paper and you're working with, you know, some of the biggest auteurs in the, in film history. And then also, you know, some up and coming TV folks like Noah Hawley. I mean,
1: mm-hmm.
0: plus, I mean, just the, you, the Hollywood, you know, pictures you've done. I mean, what, what is that process like? Do you have any, you know what I mean? How, how does that work exactly when you're sit like, do you sit down with the, the director alone or kind of like what is that process even like
1: sure well <clears throat> every movie is different uh, or tv show um commercial whatever it, it may be uh, because every filmmaker is is completely different so but you know on one end of the spectrum you have somebody like Noah Hawley or a John Lee Hancock uh who is incredibly specific about what they want they, they see it in their head they just have no ability whatsoever to, to draw it. <laughs> that sounds like right? me. which is great that's me <laughs> i mean uh, yes and which is thankfully most filmmakers you know uh ridley scott is a phenomenal storyboard artist he does all, all his own storyboards John, james cameron is really good tim burton you know some do their own but that's very rare because also it takes a lot of time but most you know need that assistance and so so one end of the spectrum, like I just said, is you are literally just drawing, you know, what they see in their head. It's, a, it's a, almost a one-to-one, you know, um, representation of that. And, you know, a lot of times they'll do overhead shots. Like John Lee is, and I love this, you know, he'll send you I'll get all the, you know, I'll contact the, the art director and I'll get all of the location photographs or set designs. You know, you get, you get all of the resources you need. What are the actors? What are the set design? What is the, you know, costume? I try to get everything because I like it to be as exacting as possible, Um, especially when you're working with somebody like that because they want to see what they see in their head. And so then he'll do an overhead of like, here are all 10 camera setups for this. Like if, if he was shooting this scene between us sitting across these desks, right? Which is very much like in The Founder when the two brothers, right, are sitting across from the desk from each other. So john lee will will show me where he wants all the different cameras right in an overhead plan he'll okay. have a little little circle little desk another little circle are the two characters and then these two these little v's that become you know where the camera is and so then i'll take that and then draw a representation of what that camera sees he'll say it's a 50 millimeter it's a 25 it's a you know he'll give me the cameras uh, the lenses you know, and then again, I have to know enough about filmmaking and enough of, about cameras and to know what that would look like on screen so then that 's what I do. I draw his setups exactly how he has delivered them to me and uh and then, on the other end of the spectrum are the filmmakers like uh that that it, camera is not their forte composition camera that's not what they, they're usually writers and it's more often in comedy uh where it's all about the actors right and so they uh like i worked on um this movie alfie and uh, uh which was wonderful and and you know took me to london and paris and uh but th- that director uh he just wants he, he you know he wrote it uh he, he wants to concentrate on his actors and and it has a lot of thoughts and feelings but never says i want this to be an you know a, a two shot then it goes into a wide shot and then we're going to dolly down this hallway and then we're going to right it's none of that he has he just imparts to you feelings or like i this is kind of what i want out of this or i'd like to end on this but really at that point it's between the cinematographer and myself to really truly come up with the shots and so the storyboarding for for him then is just sort of a loose roadmap it gets all his thoughts that you know at least it gets the whole movie like i would storyboard literally every single shot in the whole movie oh wow in 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 that uh for those movies that i did with him um and you know again it's it's he knows he has it as a safety backup right because because it's not his forte then he knows he can always look at the storyboards and always at least know where the cinematographer and he you know can agree on where the cameras are going to go et etc cetera. Et cetera. So there you have a lot of influence, tremendous amount of influence um, to help design these scenes for the director, right? And of course, there'll be lots of revisions and changes, but you're really, you know, helping them to visualize their film. And so that's that's very exciting. Like, I love both. You know, both are, to me, very exciting. Um, it's easier on your own creative, I guess, uh, part to just simply dictate it. Like, you, kn- you know that's your job. But when you're actually tasked to provide a lot of the visual guidance, that's a hu- I mean that's that's a huge undertaking right. and responsibility, yeah. and you have to know their style and you have to know what's right for the project and you also have to be aware of the shooting schedule and you know again just try to gain as much knowledge as possible. So, you know that's you get really creatively engaged in that like on you know working with my good friend Chris McCrory on the, on the two Mission Impossible's. You know chris is has, is has an amazing like one probably the best imagination i've ever encountered and, and, and a phenomenal writer and he has a very specific style but usually he gets he's so busy writing he just doesn't have the time to shot for shot specifically lay it all out right and so we've worked together so often now that i'll design the whole thing for him and then give it to him and then he'll make lots of changes and make it his own. Right. But it's, so it's a great collaboration again because his his main focus is I got to get this story great, and I have an amazing team around me that I know are gonna you know understand my style and my vision and help me to you know achieve it. But Chris loves as being a great collaborator. He loves it when you present him something that he wouldn't have thought of, like an angle. You know. Um, uh, like I remember doing a drawing inside the the Vienna Opera House, having only not been there yet, but just seeing research and, and photographs, and and I just did this one drawing uh, of 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 the conductor's baton rising, and you see this this ornate, beautiful ceiling above him that's there at the Vienna Opera, and that that one drawing just really did something for Chris. He loved it, you know, and again it is because it was something he wouldn't have thought of. And that's what makes for a great collaborator. You know, he's willing right. and, to, open. and open. to you know, He just wants the best, whether it's his idea or somebody else's idea. Uh, most of the time, 98% <laughs> of the time, it's his idea because he's so damn good. Uh, but, you know, that's awesome. So it's it's exciting to have both spectrums. And then the actual process also varies. Sometimes it's done remotely over Skype. Like most of Mission Impossible's, you know, uh, I'm very Lucky to get to go to London and Paris and be with Chris and the rest of the team, uh, but you know, so I would say maybe I'm there for two months, but then the rest of the time, which you know ended up being close to a year on the last one, I'm here in Austin, and so it's via Skype. You know, Chris and I will will Skype and and he'll tell me his thoughts and you know what he's after and 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 then I'll go off and draw it and send it back over. He'll give his notes. But when you're in person, you know, I would sit in a room with Chris uh, just as an example, or any other director. And it's usually the director, you know, uh, when you can, uh, the cinematographer, you know, again, like on a movie like Mission, uh, if it's a big stunt scene, then you get the stunt coordinator in there. Um, whoever needs to be involved in the building of the scene. Um, and everybody imparts their, you know, expertise. And, you know, ideas are going back and forth and inevitably it's, you know, in, in that particular sense, you know, Chris will be the one then who doesn't again tell you how it he'll figure out the story okay. and then tell it to you now that he's figured it out. Right. And then I have to then impart that like, OK, well, then these are the shots that will help tell that story and then I'll sketch them up, usually show him like a thumbnail sketch, like I'll have my little my little, you know, pen there and then i'll I'll do a thumbnail sketch of, of the everything we just talked about so he can see it quickly and then you know he'll give feedback on those on those just really quick loose drawings and then i take that and then i go off and do you know more finalized artwork that not only he can very clearly understand but so can the rest of the crew and then i'll either come back in person and show him like on an ipad or you know email them over to him you know variety of methods so usually that's what you try to do, or like with, working with Noah Hawley on on Legion again, somebody who knows very specifically what they want. Um, you know, it's you, it, yeah, you're just you're just sitting down and, and and they're talking through this, and and I'm taking my little notes, you know, and and uh, uh, sometimes sort of back and forth, you know. Oh, what about this? Oh, what, you know, what about this? You know, sometimes they shoot you down, sometimes they're like, oh wow, that's really cool, yeah, and thought of it. that's a great idea, let's do that, you know. So it's a really just wonderful collaborative um um, experience And, and and again it's a you know you have to try to get inside their mind you know and understand how do they like to shoot things how do they like things to flow what is you know what are their compositional styles and and like with noah you know i hadn't seen anything that he had directed and so it was finding it you know as we were going whereas chris i've done four movies you know we know each other 20 years i know his style know very clearly and so it's 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 very it's an easy rapport i know i know what he likes um but if it's a first if it's a director i've never worked for before you know like on on um uh the 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 leftovers for instance right you know it's a tv show uh you don't have a lot of time you go up for a meeting so it's very quick so you just have to try to you know you ask a lot of questions okay you know you you show them your sketches you know you know do you like this composition is this what you're after oh yeah yeah, that's great or no you know scoot scoot the, the actor more toward the center you know they're, they're telling you their style and then you have to you know understand that and then visualize it for them um so yeah it's 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 a wide range and that's what that's part of the excitement is you never know what you're going to get and you never know what you're in for and um you know in this day and age uh, I, I draw everything by hand scan it clean it up in photoshop and then can send it out digitally oh nice yeah
0: so mark i man it feels like you have like this is this is film school right like you're sitting down and you're like learning this is like the best teaching and learning environment possibly for a filmmaker is actually you know translating these directors visions whether it be just to see how someone like Holly, for example, you know, they've got it all mapped out, like you said, but just to like to see w- how their visual sense works or how their storytelling, you know, w- what they value in storytelling. But also, like you're saying, being able to like, you're, you know, you're designing the shots, the camera setups. I mean, what better lessons could you have? I mean, you're like, you're ready to roll as far as as <laughs> as far as features go, man.
1: Well, I, I, I... Thank you. And and, and yes, I mean, that's always been my point of view with this. And it's always been something I, you know, I'm, I'm never, it never, um, I'm always so grateful for it, uh, because you know, in my heart, you know, I am, uh, you know, my, my main talent is directing, which, you know, thankfully I'm doing a lot more of, uh, now I've done one feature Uh, I wrote and directed, uh, wrote two episodes and directed uh, one episode of Day 5, which came out last year on Rooster Teeth. I'm doing a lot more commercials now. And so, yeah, I've had this unbelievable opportunity to learn from all these amazing filmmakers. And it's not just the directors. You know, I, uh, I, I try to go on set as often as possible. I'm also there for a lot of the discussions between the producer and the director about uh, you know, uh, the economy of, of, of filmmaking, the efficiency of it, often, you know, I'll storyboard too much, right? Kind of, you know, many times on purpose so that they have options. Right. So then you're there for, okay, well, um, this direct, you know, you you being the hypothetical director I'm talking about, you, you've been averaging 30 setups a day, and, and, and what you've got here in your designs is, you know, 45, and so you know, you, you, you two need to figure out how to, you know, consolidate some of this. And so, I mean, all these things are just phenomenal lessons on how to make you a better filmmaker um, when it comes your time to actually, you know, be behind the camera and making these decisions. And so, you know, I, I, I try to be there when, you know, they're meeting with costume designers or just whomever, you know, being on set, watching them work, how they work with actors. You know, I'll often, you know, because you, you, you get a really great rapport with these people. Some of them have become, you know, very good friends. And and so I can ask them questions, you know, like, well, you know, I, I noticed you don't really talk to the actors that much, you know. Um, you know, and they'll tell you, well, you, that was in the morning before you got here, you know. And so they're, you know, everybody has their different styles and everybody has their different, you know, approaches into the creative process. And so, yeah, I just get to soak it all in. Watch what the cinematographers are doing, you know. Watch what the first AD is doing, you know. Just soaking all that in, so that yeah, when it does come my time, um, I, you know, I hopefully have imparted all of that and 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 brought it into my own style as a filmmaker, and then can be very efficient, um, which uh, you know has, has so far been the case. Uh, and you know, again, having the 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 ability to pre-visualize something. That you see in your head you know like with uh, day five or these commercials i just directed for a um a wonderful um you know foster care foundation you know i wrote it wrote the stories so you get those approved and i storyboard it because you see it in your head it's all in my head like every single shot all right? and this time it's not somebody else's vision it's my vision so I, and then i'm able to draw exactly how i want it done right? And then um, you know we tour the locations. I'll revise the storyboards to fit the location. Uh, and then you know you're and, and again it just makes for you can articulate yourself to the client very clearly. They know exactly what they're getting. And then when you're on set, I mean those storyboards are paramount, especially I mean whether it's a 150, 200 million dollar budget film or you know uh, a, a a low budget commercial. Or short film or student film or whatever those storyboards are so paramount to allow because really you you want to get your vision across and you're always fighting light and time and and compromises because you didn't get the street you wanted you didn't get the house you wanted you didn't get the actor you wanted or you know something's not every. you know there's always something that's not working right you're always having to you know revise things and I deeply admire the filmmakers that really don't storyboard a lot that, you know, are coming up with it in the moment, which is great. But for me, and, and it's, it's all about pre-visualizing it. And that way you have the freedom once you're on set to make really quick decisions. Because, for instance, your fir- first AD will come to you and say, it's four o'clock, we've got two hours left. We've got seven more setups to do and probably we only have time for three. You know, what are you going to do? So the storyboards are all printed up on a board. And usually they're, you know, they're, you and the first AD and the, and the cinematographer can go over to the storyboards and say, okay, here's what we're looking at. You know, there's how much time you got left in the day. We're up against a lot of things. You know, we're working with child actors, for instance, you know, et cetera, et cetera. We got we to make some compromises here. So I'll sit down and that way I can see the whole commercial. I'm just using this as an example laid out before me and I know what I really want. Like, I know I can't lose this shot, but these are, you know, i built them in as sort of buffer. I could lose them if I have to. So you start to make compromises. You're talking to your AD and the cinematographer, you know, you're working through it and you cross things out. Okay. You know what? Let's lose these two shots. We just can't get them. This one's more important. Let's focus on that and let's move on. Because the last thing you need, especially, well, on any budget is uh, but especially on really, you know, uh, tight budgets is a director staying around going um i I don't know i don't know you know because i mean everybody's there to follow your lead right i mean that's why you're the director (laughs) you have to make decisions and you have to make them quickly because time is is money and 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 so again for the storyboards through my experience is the best tool possible to maintain your vision achieve efficiency and make those onset compromises that are inevitable and not compromise your style. So you can still get the thing you want. Maybe it wasn't everything you wanted, but you knew going in that that's not gonna be, that's usually gonna be the case. So anyway, it's just, um, you know, I, yes, I, I am humble and, and feel so incredibly fortunate to have, you know, worked with all these amazing people I love it like literally going to work every day uh, for any project I'm on storyboarding is just a dream you know they you know you fly London, Morocco, Paris uh, on these big movies and uh, um, you know it's just an incredible adventure um, and then yeah then there's the great benefit like we just talked about of then imparting that into your own work and making that better and so yeah pretty happy. <laughs> <laughs> it's kind of the best job ever.
0: Can we talk about the stuff that you sent me? Is is that okay or is that going Yeah,
1: it hadn't come out yet,
0: so I can't. I mean, I would not just I wasn't going to get too specifically, but I wanted to just man, watching those I I loved your lighting choices and it felt so cinematic. It felt like Kubrick, very I felt a lot oh, of wow. Kubrick inspiration in that and I would, just wanted to talk a little bit about that because I don't, I haven't had a chance to see any of your other um, stuff that you've done as far as from a director's standpoint. So I just wanted to let you know that, man, I mean, the visual style was just outstanding. I loved it. I loved it. And what I thought was great. And you know what I mean? It's kind of like, I think those type of projects can sometimes be, you know what I mean? It's easy to get into that kind of like generic style, but what you've done, I mean, the visuals, the soundtrack everything really pushed for such a an emotional weight that really carried and really resonated with me personally and i mean those were just outstanding
1: well uh thank you <laughs> i'm very very proud of them um well they haven't come out yet so i will talk around it right but not not reveal anything i can
0: always you know yeah. I, can, I can go back and edit out any oh, that's fine that's... yeah we
1: can talk about the how they were made and 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 uh and then when they do come out you know if anybody wants to see them that would be great Um, So I, uh, there's two uh, wonderful talents in town. Um, uh, One of them is an editor and one of them is a cinematographer and they have an office together in downtown and they're just awesome guys. And they had seen my work on day five and had seen my reel and invited me in to meet. And this was like, I don't know, almost a year ago. And so, you know, we just really got along well and, and they were looking to do something more cinematic something that had uh you know um some more gravity some more weight to it i should say and um so okay great well let's you know let's see what comes down the pipeline if i can come up with a short film or if you guys have got anything let's let's we just agreed let's find something to work on and uh um and so months went by and you know we'd stay in touch and then eventually um a client of theirs this marvelous uh foster care foundation called Upbring, came to jim and lee and um said hey we we're we're rebranding our our uh organization and we're looking to do something very different we want to make some short films and uh and so jim and lee reached out to me um and you know said uh uh you know i'm an editor i'm a cinematographer but we need a creative director we need somebody to write these and direct these and so i was just like oh my gosh and of course it was you know it's such, it's because it's such a meaningful um organization i always said from the very beginning these just they can't be good they have to be great and that comes down to the, the writing the story can't just be good it has to be great like that was that was the bar we all set and, and we weren't going to, you know, with all the limitations, whether it was budget and time and all of that, you know, still we were going to use all of our creative powers to deliver something, hopefully, that was great. And so, and that started off in the writing process. So I wrote originally, I think, five or six ideas. And then, um, you know, sent them back to Lee and Jim and and carrie who is their executive producer and and i brought my producer on john robleski and uh you know they would all review the scripts right before we would even send them to the client and they had a great you know uh, bar of excellence again it has to be great so they would give me feedback like you know i just don't think these are these three this one's working i really like this one but these other ones you wrote just they're good but they're not working and they kept pushing for we need more of a campaign they need to have a they need to have a through line, a thread that that they're, they're, each one is a different story, a different, um, you know, uh, but they all need to have, they they need to relate. So that was great. So that kept pushing me, right? Then we would meet with the client and and, and we presented our first ideas with them. And, and they love, then now at this point, they love two, but we needed three. So uh, they started imparting ideas, you know, like, well, these are what a lot of our children go through. And these are the things that, you know, so they just, Just sort of giving me all this information and then that inspired uh two two more ideas and so inevitably we all agreed on these on these three stories and it was a great collaborative you know everybody was pushing for it to be better 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 for it to have a unified sort of vision behind it uh and 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 so once we locked that then i went out went off well we'd done location scouting right uh then I started storyboarding. And, you know, I already had images in my head of, of, but it's, but I, I, I'm only focused on the writing in the beginning. It's just, it just has to be a great story. And so I'm not really thinking about the visuals yet. So it was really great to then, okay, this is our story. Uh, I put music on music really inspires the visuals and, and it, you know, I've done storyboarding so much <laughs> that thankfully when I finally sit down to do it, and I don't know why this happens. It just does it's the <clears throat> it, it just all comes out in one sitting like literally I'll put the pen on the piece of paper and each shot shot for shot for shot for shot the whole story just flows out like literally every single shot that's in those is exactly how I storyboarded it in that very first sitting, because I'd already written it so I knew the story but now I had to tell it visually and it's it's exciting for me because I because I've done it so many times whenever I do sit down to just thumbnail my 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 shots it's it's as if it's already completely done in my head like edited not the music but a a sense of it but definitely every single shot is is already in my head it's almost as if the the commercial is already finished and i'm just rewinding it and then drawing out each shot and then so i'll storyboard them up and which is so exciting for me To, to, to you know again it's it's that's what all these other filmmakers are missing. They don't have that ability. They see it in their head. They just need somebody else to draw it. So I'm so fortunate that I can see it in my head and then draw it. Right. And then uh, we go on set. And and this this is to me the coolest thing ever is this thing that you've written. And it's not always a thing that you write, but if it is on in, in this particular instance, you've written it, you've storyboarded it and now you're on set and you're framing the shot and you've got your actor and you've got the lighting, and you've got everything just almost exactly how you saw it in your head. And now it's live in front of you. And it's it's truly your dreams become reality. This thing that, you know, existed only in your head is now literally alive and in front of you and moving. And that is just the most unbelievable feeling and, and what a business to be in that literally you're in the business of realizing your own dreams and that's phenomenal and so it's always man when i finally see something on set where it's like God, that's, that's exactly that's exactly look at the storyboard look at the shot it's like it's there that's cool and, and you know inevitably you are always finding new things while you're on set oh that's a much better angle oh let's actually let's shoot it that way but Um, But when they do line up exactly almost like what you saw in your head, that's just like, it's it's mind blowing and thrilling and you know, it just makes you want to do it every day. Um, So yeah, so then you know, then so writing it storyboarding it casting. Uh, you know, we had a three-day shoot. Uh, again, with just the best crew imaginable. A lot of people that I've worked with before, that the producers worked for, with before. Obviously, the the, the cinematographer and the editor—they had their team, and we brought another wonderful uh, producer uh, on, onto the project. Anyway, it was just—it was just kind of a dream team, and everybody knew it was—it was for such a great. Organization, so everybody was willing to come in for a lot less than they work on just because it was for such a good cause. And, and again, you could show them the script and the storyboards, you know, so hopefully they, they know what they're in for. And and um, yeah, and then, uh, you know, just through the final product with the, with the editing, you know, again, you've got the storyboards there, so the editor already kind of knows what the director's after. So it makes that process that much more clean and efficient because they're not just trying to come up with what is what is the director after you know it's well there it is it's on paper um and yeah so uh, you know and, and those guys brought in a, a wonderful composer and uh again none of us were going to stop until we felt it was great you know sometimes you know it could easily could easily have maybe made some compromises that wouldn't have been right for it or even like myself i mean i'll never forget uh, reading about david fincher who's probably my most influential filmmaker and he said i've never taught a class but if i ever did this is what i would say i would stand in front of the students and i would say um you pointing to some kid stand up and tell me your story what movie do you want to make and the kid would start talking he's like shut up that sucks sit down (laughs) okay and let's say that kid sat down he'd point to another one you tell me what movie you want to make kid starts telling his story shut the fuck up sit down right kids meekly sits down finally points to another one and says tell me your story and the kid starts telling the story and he's like get out of here that's the worst thing i've ever heard and the kid doesn't stop he just keeps going he's like that's the guy that's gonna make it you know that's what you have to do as a as a filmmaker as a, as a and you have to know when to kind of when when you fight your battles and when you let some of them go right because we're all a team and everybody's there has their own you know they're there for their own reasons and but still you have to know when to just hold your ground and and fight for things you know and 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 do it in a polite way do it in a you know but still that's another big lesson that i've learned from watching filmmakers is you know know your battles and and i still have a lot to learn (laughs) Uh, uh and you know know when to compromise know when to let you know somebody else uh you know run with run with a segment or even give over to you know uh uh, an idea that they have and let's see where that goes so anyhow uh and then thankfully at the end of all of that we ended up with three short films that i'm incredibly proud of you know we showed it to the clients and and uh they they loved them and and they'll be out hopefully in the fall in the fall in the fall i showed you uh you know on a on a uh, password link uh, before we had this conversation so I wanted to show you something I recently worked on and incredibly proud of. And so, yeah, I'm hoping to parlay that into doing a lot more work as a commercial uh, director. I,
0: yeah, I, I loved them. I mean, they were, the look was just, I loved it, man. The composition, like I definitely, I your visual sense is right. Like that's kind of how I work. That's kind of how I see things too. Um when i when i think of making a, a style you know mm-hmm. what i mean so that was very like i kind of connected with that
1: what are some of your uh, favorite filmmakers you'd mention malick and kubrick and
0: i really i mean kubrick of course but i like nolan i mean prestige and memento are two all-time favorites i just absolutely love those films i really like the coen brothers a lot oh, i think yeah. they actually probably might be my absolute favorites
1: And they're people, they're filmmakers that literally follow the storyboards exactly. Like, there is no compromise. This is how we pre-visualized it. This is what we're making. So if you get to ever watch their storyboard to screen comparisons, it's it's really remarkable. I mean, the storyboards themselves are very loose, but it's all there. Um, There's a story real quick. I'll tell you, uh, a friend of mine was working on True Grit, and they were down um, on, on the, I think it was on the Rio Grande. And the the stunt coordinator came over to the co-embroiders and said, you know, the river's risen a little bit since we were last here. Uh, We're going to need to move this scene down, you know, a hundred yards. And they're like, nope, this is where we scouted it. This is where we, this is how we storyboard it. Figure out a way to do it right here because this is where we're doing it. You know, they, from what I've heard, they do not waver from their storyboards, which I just love, you know, and so respect that uh that even though that's not exactly my style i like to be much more you know loose on set but i respect the hell out of that i just i love filmmakers who they clearly see it in their head and have such a style and such a you know i mean Kubrick being of course you know one of the all-time greats um yeah that you know but i love yeah the coen brothers are just they're obviously the some of the best storytellers and then their visuals are so good, and it, you know it's amazing. Like you go back and you watch Blood Simple, and it was you know it's all there in the beginning. You know, even going back and watching Spielberg, you know, early work, it's like it's all there. Like I've been showing my daughter Wes Anderson films. You know, we started like the first thing she saw was Grand Budapest Hotel, which she just loved. And then okay, well let's go back and start at the beginning. You know, and 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 on Rushmore, his whole style is is finally there. You know, like on Kubrick, for me has uh, a glory is really for me where his style finally all locks in you know the dolly shots and symmetrical and everything that he has carried forward for me that's where it really you know where he gave birth to it or finally all locked in for him so that's anyway we digress <laughs> <Right>. uh,
0: <laughs> um i just love that they can tell they're they jump from genre to genre so they can do a just absolutely taught thriller Like existential film, like No Country for Old Men, which just blew my socks off. Yeah, cinematography in particular. I think that might be one of my favorite shot films. Probably might be ever. Oh, Roger Deakins. Oh, he's he's my favorite. Oh, he absolutely. I'll
1: go see any movie he works (laughs) on. Right.
0: Yeah. Uh, What he he did the what was the James Bond film that he shot Skyfall. That was incredible.
1: Oh, just sumptuous! And Blade Runner two thousand. Oh right, I know. I mean, I'm going to live <laughs> in the movie theater this fall. I cannot wait for it to come out. Seriously,
0: my fingers are crossed. Yes. Um, some of the, I guess the trailers that I've seen so far just look outstanding. I'm I'm very excited, but yes. I'm also very nervous because that film has influenced me. Yeah, I know. I see. Yeah,
1: you see posters all over my office.
0: That fl- film has influenced me not only, I think, in terms of storytelling, but I mean down to fashion. I mean, the oh, way yeah. that I dress, the music that I listen to, like, it's it's probably had more impact on me than any other film ever.
1: I would completely agree. I mean, uh, I still listen to, to Vangelis, and uh, I recently discovered this really weird thing, God, I love the internet, that somebody has taken all of the ambient sounds from the movie, like the street and the rain and, like, just the little noises of, like, uh, you know, cross now, cross now, right? And they've just edited it together into this, like, hour-long ambient mix where you can (laughs) on youtube you can just put on the ambient noise of blade runner you know which is just kind of a neat thing to work to when you're just kind of like sitting there thinking of things or writing or drawing or whatever so yeah no that movie is you know it's been a massive influence on so many people but yeah it's like you it's it's always kind of there in the back of my mind
0: do you remember that short that i shared with i shared i shared I did kind of my own little like five minute take on Blade Runner. Oh, that's right. A long, long time ago that I was pretty happy with at the time. But yeah. (laughs) Um, That was a lot of fun to do.
1: Oh, yeah. Well, and now like you see like guys, uh, people that are making like building their own props, you know, that that are from the film or even from the new film. And like I saw this. Oh my gosh. I saw the most incredible thing. Uh, A buddy of mine showed me that, uh, you know, the, uh, the chess set in Tyrell's office right that he and sebastian are playing somebody has has basically they recreated the chess set and then they recreated the box that it came in and all of the labels and you know just the most intricate recreation of a movie prop and it was so cool and you could pull it out and it was illuminated from below and just it just it just i don't know it's just amazing i just love seeing again just how much that movie has has influenced everybody and how it's still alive. I mean, obviously with the sequel coming out, but even still people are, you know, building props or, you know, you can go and buy Deckard's wallet with all the fake IDs inside of it on eBay. I mean, it's, I don't know. It's just, it's awesome. And the fan art. I mean, that's the coolest thing. The posters that are still coming out are just, uh, which I have all over the place. Oh yeah. These are my two favorites out of Poland, but.
0: We'll geek it. We'll finish up on some geeking out. We'll see, We'll talk about, some stuff you're excited about coming up in terms of cinema, but I want to jump back to sort of what is your work, what is your kind of collaborative process with the editor like? Well, Pers- you- and just like I said on, on your action stuff oh, on that my you've projects. done, right?
1: Oh, okay. Um, and oh, I- it's, it's it's. I mean, they. You have to have a great relationship. They have to, because truly and it, you know it's it's the old saying you know uh, uh, a project goes through i'm not going to really say this exactly right i think it could you know it's it's writing it is one thing shooting it is another version of the story and then the editing is really where you discover it and and nothing can be truer is you know so it's it, it's it, there's a lot of trepidation going into it for me because like for instance you know if, if i've written it and i've storyboarded it i've shot it so right. i'm intimately involved Seriously. with 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 i'll talk about day five because that to me was biggest lesson i've ever learned in a great way the commercials were you know the editor and i had a great relationship he you know it was very collaborative my director's cut uh he did a phenomenal job of of organizing the cut did his first pass then i came in we sat down and and basically my director's cut is what we sent to the client they loved it didn't change a thing so you know that's a rarity Um, but on day five so you know Josh Flanigan was the uh, was the creative director on that. So he's who hired me as a writer, and so I wrote episode three and directed it. And my buddy Todd McMullen, who had done The Leftovers and you know Friday Night Lights, and uh, um, he was the cinematographer. So I knew I you know I had a really close collaboration with him. He and I like he, he and I see the the world in the same way, right? He, So he's phenomenal so i knew you know i knew it was going to look the way i wanted and the actors were phenomenal it was the third episode so they were already seasoned they knew their characters so you could just hit the ground running um i had the storyboard so i knew i'd be able to shoot it the way i wanted you know we were averaging like 50 55 setups a day we were rocking the house so um I knew, you know, when we finished, you know, everybody was really excited and proud of it. I just knew it was it, it was on the way to being something really good. But then, at, it, and it had been a long time since I had directed something like this. I'd done short films and commercials, but I hadn't I hadn't done a narrative. Like the last feature I did was like ten years before, and it was a very different process. And so, anyhow, so I was a bit of a, a newbie in some regard to the editorial process and so i got the first uh, edit back which is inevitably it's it's um you know it's it's oh, i'm even forgetting the term right now but it's dailies no it's no, it's so. uh it's the rough assembly rough cut yeah, it's okay. a rough assembly so the editor is basically just put it all together in their rough assembly of what of how they think it should be there's you know uh, and, and and so I, they sent it to me and i almost threw up <laughs> it was so horrible every you know it just i mean i was so upset because i I, you know i knew we'd written you know and collaborated very closely with josh and the other guys on the script so you know it was a collaborative effort we knew we had a good story we knew it was it was shot really well we got a lot of footage and we knew the acting was top of the line so like i knew all that then why is this edit so horrible what have i done i was blaming myself like what how did i fail oh my god this is just a train wreck you know, and I called Josh and, and he kind of walked me off the ledge and, you know, he said, hey, you know, hey, dude, you know, my rough assembly on episode one, which we which was already done and which was fantastic, uh, was also a train wreck, And that's, you know, don't worry, let's just get together and let's work through it and, and we'll get it there. So, you know, again, kind of newbie like now, I I wouldn't have that reaction. I would just relax and give my feedback and, you know, get in with the editor. And so, yeah, then, you you know, you you go into the edit sessions, you have all your notes, you know, okay, this isn't what I had intended. This didn't hit the mark uh, the way I had written it. You know, this was, you know, let's find another performance for this shot, you know, just all those creative decisions. And Josh was there. Great, you know, feedback, and he's a, he's a wonderful editor. So, you know, through a period of a week or two, you you know, work on your director's cut, right? Um, you know, we ended up at the end of that, and I was just so proud. You know, now I'm like, oh yeah, this is really starting to come together. Yeah, there's still things that aren't quite where I'd want them, but it's really I was really proud to pass this over to you know to Rooster Teeth and, and Josh and the rest of the guys, and. You know then I had to go off to London to work on the mummy so I had to leave and and you know Josh and those guys then of course he's the creative director it's his final cut is the final cut not my directors cut. right and so you know he would he got into the edit session right and made a lot of changes right and if you know as as is always on first viewing just like that rough assembly or his cut it's a real like holy shit. What the fuck? What, what just happened? But you have you can't put those walls up, and that's a big lesson, the huge lesson as a storyboard artist, right? You cannot be too precious with this, because inevitably you're serving somebody else's um, creative agenda, or not agenda, but their vision, vision right? Yeah. So I have I have learned sometimes painfully, uh, and it's never always it's never easy, but you try to keep an open mind try to learn from what they're showing you and if you if you do not put those walls up and if you keep an open mind inevitably i've learned it's going to be better in the end right uh if you know you're working with really good people like i trusted josh i you know i trusted his judgment so even though it was starting to go in directions that i would not have chosen i knew okay just just relax and let's see where this is going still fight for things you believe in right you know, emails from London, phone calls. Like, you know, oh, come on, please. You know, I think I think that shot's so important. You know, oh, it, you know, if he, if, he, if if we don't see this, then we're gonna lose this beat. You know, so you still argue your point of view. Back to that David Fincher thing, right? You just can't acquiesce. You have gotta right. fight for what you believe in, but you also have to. that was a really good idea. Oh, Oh, I, you know, now that I've watched that again, that's really good. But on first viewing, it's all I've, I've learned, do not write an email. (laughs) Do not get on the phone after the first viewing, because inevitably you're passionate, your emotions are high and you're not going to make the right decision. So I've learned to, okay, to sit on it, you know, watch it again or read the notes the next day and relax and be professional and respond. And Josh would probably say that some of my phone calls or emails were probably, I hadn't learned that lesson yet so uh but inevitably you know he was making really good choices and so i learned a tremendous amount about like i shot it this i wrote it this way i shot it this way my director's cut edited it in one way but then josh and his and and, and the other guys came in and reworked it and made much better choices than i would have made and inevitably i lost some of my battles i won some know some small elements of the story didn't make it in but inevitably they were the right choice for the for the overarching you know eight part episode or series not just my you know myopic view on my episode and so that was an incredible lesson to really go through all of that and remind myself of how you know best to react and and just again keep an open mind and 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 if you if you again if you are in good company and you respect your collaborators they're all in it for the right reasons and and you know you just got to sit back continue the dialogue continue the discussion fight when you need to but also compromise when you need to relax when you, you know relax and we'll get there and so but you know that was just the ongoing process of seeing his edits you know back and forth and making making those phone calls making those emails and inevitably it was good but once we got to the final sound mix and we were all in the room together and then the sound all came in and it was like oh, this is awesome nice. then i was finally like <laughs> this is awesome and then i was so fortunate that we got to screen it at the paramount and in front of all you know Rooster that was having their big rtx convention and so you know thousand screaming fans are are at the paramount theater and they showed my episode because it just happened to line up when they were releasing it so that was incredible to be there and and, and get the audience's immediate response and I'll tell you the one the, the you know the one last thing from this is there was this really cool dude who came in and or came over and he's like look at my Apple watch I recorded my heart rate while I was watching the the, the show and it shows it going from like a normal 60 beats per minute up to like <laughs> 138. And, it you know, just to get that like kind of feedback was amazing. So anyway, so, you know, big lessons on 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 editorial. And, you know, obviously very few people have their their, their have a final cut. So it's a collaborative effort. And again, if you're working with the right people, then you're learning from them and they're imparting their ideas that, you know, will only hopefully if it's a really positive collaborative effort are only improving it Uh, and again you may not always win all your battles but that's a part of the process and uh, and you want to work with these people again you don't want to be an asshole you don't want to be uh, a prima donna you know you you know i i I, you'd have to be a lot further along in your career to earn those stripes and i wouldn't want to work that way anyway but so yeah, you're, you know, my only lesson would just be always, no matter, you know, just keep an open mind, and and and, and inevitably, it's hopefully gonna be, generate something better than you had originally imagined all the way back at the storyboard or writing or storyboard process.
0: Interesting, because that's my, fa- I think, editing is my favorite part of the entire process. Oh yeah, Out definitely. of at least the the stuff that I've, the few projects that I've done. I just love the element. Of it's kind of like you're putting together all of these, you know, they might have taken place at different times, different dates, and you're creating this unified, you know, story that flows all together as one unified story. Something about that is just so rewarding and it's so exciting Oh, but I just, it... I, I love that. I oh, man, I would have a hard, I would have such a hard time relinquishing that to someone else as far as editing.
1: It is hard. Yeah, definitely. It's kind of like
0: giving I, away I, your child for adoption, almost. Not yeah. exactly, but... No, like- it,
1: yeah, because it's your creative baby, and 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 uh, that. Yet, yeah, I mean, I, I added a lot of my own things. But when you are working with somebody else, it is hard, and that's why you have to be you have to work with the right people. You know, people that you know and trust, um, because it is. It's it's um, you know, people are going to filter it through their own creativity and see it differently. And so, if you're somebody like me, who knows what they want and and is, it was you know again it's been storyboarded like it's it's already there already visualized for you and this is what I want so it can be a bit of a back and forth but you know again like we discovered things on that commercial that were not storyboarded you know that just editorially you know took it to another level and that oh um, you know and you know how it is when you when you're in the room and you go well let, you know let's just try this this works really well but let's just drop this one shot in here and then when it works everybody in the room just knows it works it's a really strange thing about human nature and it's it's a mystery like if you know how it is if if one or two frames are off right everybody in the room knows it's not right there's something about right. the way we perceive moving pictures and edit, editing we know if it's wrong everybody in the room knows right. and you make one frame you delete one frame and suddenly everybody's like oh yeah now it works and that's that to me is really fascinating but it's there's no greater thrill when again because you're at the tail end of this process now you right to finally see it come to life and oh my god it's working right you know oh that's that's the best and you know and then everybody's high fiving you, <laughs> you know you p- pull people into the edit session you're like oh check this out you know and then they're you know I mean like on the the, the foster care you know people would come in and watch it and be crying you're like okay I th- I think it's working you know there's no greater thrill because then you know all that effort has paid off and it's you know they haven't always been that way I mean I've you know I've certainly done things particularly in video games where a lot too many compromises are made too many cooks are in the kitchen and and it ends up being shit and uh but when it works it's there's you know very few feelings that equal it
0: what uh can you talk about any of your uh upcoming projects that you know are yours that you're writing and directing do because i think you've you've got some stuff on the on the back burner maybe yeah front burner uh
1: well the storyboard work is of course that's that's you know my primary source of income for the family right now and i love it so i'm I'm happy to do it any day of the week but um so i have these three commercials that i've just finished that that we've been talking about that haven't been released yet that i'm very proud of and so uh, i plan on using those to i want to get signed as a commercial director i want to be directing you know all the time and so that plus other commercials that i've done in the past i finally feel like i have a strong enough reel that and I, as a storyboard artist i've worked with all these amazing directors and producers right so i have a roster on my you know digital rolodex of of great contacts. So it's a matter of you know, there's some that that you know have become a bit of a mentor for me that I I, I plan on reaching out to, showing them the work, seeing if it's uh, if they would you know pass it on to the powers that be at their companies, try to get attention, get a meeting. So so that's one of my primary focuses right now while I'm between movies, is to focus on my stuff. You know, um, Steve Jobs, who I'm a huge fan of, you know, said to a graduation group you know don't spend your life uh living somebody else's dream Uh, and so as a storyboard artist that's very much what i do (laughs) right i'm helping them visualize their dream and that's great i love it but i have my own dreams and for too long they have been on the back burner and it's time to put them more toward the front burner and so i'm working on my dreams right now so it's Commercial directing, I have, I just read uh, a script over the weekend that I'm optioning because I just absolutely fell in love with it. So that's gonna be another massive effort on my part is to get that made. I have a uh, eight part series that I wrote called Generation X um, uh, about the the late eighties. And um, so I'm working on getting that made. I have another series that I developed a long time ago with my cousin, but I'm gonna try to get that up and running again so it's just it's all these things that have been in my quiver for too long I'm now going to really just start focusing on getting out there so I'm working on getting an agent I'm working on you know getting signed as a commercial director and just all these things that I've been working on for so long or you know sitting on for so long um, it's time to to put them out there in the world and let's see let's see which one of them is gonna take right um so yeah it's you know inevitably i mean as willie nelson said you have to have you have to throw a lot of shit up against (laughs) the barn door before one of them sticks so you have to have you have have to have a lot of irons in the fire for too long i've only had like one iron or two irons and now i'm reading a lot of scripts i'm i'm you know i'm gonna put myself more out there as like i said as a commercial director i've just i've got to get more out there so that i can get more return and so i can start for me just being behind the camera directing you know uh, is the, is the primary focus. It's always been the focus. It's always been the dream, but I've had too much fun working on these huge movies that it's, you know, it's, it's nice that I have time now that I can finally like sit back and no focus on your stuff. Um, so that's, uh, that's primarily, that's all I'm doing right now. I, you know, as a, as a contract, uh, you know, self-employed filmmaker. You never know when that next job is coming. Um, I'm not actively looking for a job. I've kind of learned that as much as you send out emails and resumes and make phone calls, it's just somebody just calls you. So I'm just kind of, usually I'm like really, as soon as a job is over, I'm like on the phone and I'm like stressed out. And, you know, the family is like, oh my gosh, you know, uh, don't be so grumpy, you know, (laughs) uh, you know, trying stressing out trying to find the next job. I've learned, you know what? Take this time to yourself, relax. It's gonna come. Focus on your stuff. So it's a really wonderful, peaceful time. Um, you know, I uh, just do my own thing, which is rare. But I, I can't let it be right. rare anymore.
0: Well, man, I I want the best for you. I think you're. I mean, the talent is definitely there. I would love to see, man. I would love to see your own kind of. Uh, I guess like a sci-fi, like a post-apocalyptic. Oh, yeah, style thing. i those, feel like you got some of those in the burner. Like something like that would look really awesome with the kind of the lighting and, and stuff, the setups that you had um, in the recent project. So but I, um, to finish up, I kind of just want to I want to geek out with you a little bit. Well, you know, we can talk about uh, maybe if you if you have some other good stories that are funny ones that you want to share or if you just want to tell me about what you're excited about in terms of movies, TV, kind of what what you're watching, what you're listening to, what's kind of exciting you these days?
1: Sure. Oh goodness, wow. Um, I can't wait for. Well, I want to go see Baby Driver. I've been dying to see that. Uh, I really want to see Atomic Blonde just for fun, like this Generation X project I have. It's just you know set in kind of the nightclub scene of the late '80s, Depeche Mode, and you know the Cure, New Order. It's so uh, the producer of that. You know, it was like, "You've got to go see Atomic Blonde now." <laughs> of course, that was last week, and you know, it's tough for the family uh, to get out and, and see movies. So I'm dying to see that. Dunkirk, I thought, was just you. If, if viewers, if you're or listeners, if you're listening to this, only see it in IMAX. If you live oh, in Austin, yeah. Texas, go to, to the Bullock. That's the only way to experience it. That one was just oh, just. Beautiful. I can't wait to see that again.
0: The sound. Oh, the, the sound. sound was just so intense. I've been. I need to go see with my dad because he was. He's a World War II buff too, especially with aviation. So oh. I think he would love the dogfight. Oh, those scenes. Are
1: extraordinary. Those Spitfires and, yeah, and the, and and, and the, that Hans Zimmer score. You know that ticking clock from the get go. So that was a huge uh, event. Um, yeah, I'd say the movie on am Well, we've already talked about the movie that I'm most excited about is Blade Runner. When does um, that come out? Do you remember? October six. October. <laughs> <laughs> nice. Because yes. uh, Roger long. Deakins, like we've talked about, is my all-time favorite cinematographer. This trailer just, like, literally I've screenshotted, like, <laughs> most of it, and it plays on my computer screen. Uh, you know, and, and Denis Villeneuve is also one of my new favorite filmmakers. I mean, Arrival was phenomenal. Um, Passenger. No, uh, uh, what was the... Sicario. Sicario. But prisoners. Prisoners. Also... Thank you. Uh, just, I just love his style and his style of filmmaking and, and his choices. And so, you know, Ridley Scott. Uh, obviously, it would have been phenomenal for him to to step back into this, but for whatever reason, he stepped out. But I think, other than David Venture, uh, Denis Villeneuve is the perfect filmmaker to come in and really show us something new, which obviously by the trailers we're seeing. Um, no, strangely enough, Blade Runner 2 is the very first screenplay I ever wrote. <laughs> nice. Yeah. And I, I pulled it out the other day oh, and uh, realized uh, that it's an absolute wh- horrendous script. But it was the first one. I was 24. Uh, but, I, you know, actually, I will say this. The script, the script is horrible. Uh, just, you know, three pages of monologues. Just crap first. <laughs> typical first. But, but I think... And this is another reason why I can't wait to see the movie. I think my an original idea I had in there, which isn't too far of a stretch for anybody else to have come up with, too. I think that's at the core of this movie. I think what the replicants are after is the same thing in my early crappy screenplay that that's in this movie, too. So I'm really curious about that. Uh, so we'll see. Nice. Yeah. Uh,
0: did you know he has actually been tapped? He's supposed to at this point do the new dune i don't know which i'm like that's one of my i mean as come as problematic as that film is oh i, I love it, it. oh love man it, it was the first kid. movie i
1: ever saw in thx and i'll never get those thumpers boom, boom just pounding my chest just going oh my god yeah i oh i love that movie my, my sister and i still quote those lines all the time she'll like send me a text you know of, uh, uh something like uh oh i mean oh, there's so many Pain amp the, about the pain amplifier, or it puts the pick in Pete and turns it round. You know, I mean, there's just so many great David Lynch. Oh, it's just it's a great. Yeah, the the visual effects in that movie just oh, do man. not hold up, but the, it doesn't matter because it's still just so cool.
0: The art direction and the costumes <sighs> just outstanding. suppose yeah. the harkonnen stuff is just cr- just crazy. The still yeah. suits and all that.
1: Still suits and House of Trades, all that intricate. You know, I mean, they car they shot it in Mexico City and just the craftsmanship that went into that thing is just incredible
0: you know what's interesting is they actually a lot of hr geiger's work was inspira- inspiration for some of the um the architecture mm. if you go back and watch you can kind of notice and hallways yeah, like that, and things like that, that yeah. weird
1: harkonnen face with the yeah. mouth open that the, i think the train is the, like the tram is running through right. yeah i could see that and i know well i know well Oh, here's a great documentary. Have you ever watched uh Jardowski's Dune? I have not seen, oh. it, but Well, that's why Geiger is still an influence, because he and Mobius, basically the entire art department that became alien, were were first brought together for um, Dune. And it's one of the best documentaries on filmmaking you'll you'll ever see. Um so yeah, it, you know, all those guys, Dan O'Bannon, who went on to write the script for alien was the visual effects producer on dune and so when dune failed when all that when when they couldn't get the financing it all fell apart he had this horrible nightmare which basically became alien went back to hollywood with like two dollars in his pocket was living on the couch of ron no not ron shusett but the other gentleman that wrote it with him co-wrote it and and so once alien got set up he suggested to ridley scott well you know here are all these amazing artists you know that had come together for Dune and, and Ridley Scott literally hired every single one of them, including Geiger, and came back <clears throat> to make Alien. So yeah, I could see where some of his work would still influence the film. Yeah, because I think
0: Ridley Scott was at one time set to direct it before they pivoted to You're David right. Lynch. Yeah. That's interesting. I think it's interesting too, going back to even Star Wars sort of kind of ripped off a little bit of that Dune story, especially with like Jabba the Hutt. I don't know if you did you ever read the no, I any ever. further in the series. Yeah. Um, so eventually, I don't. Spoiler alert! Do you want me to? <laughs> no, no, yeah, yeah. Tell me. So what happens later on is that Paul has a pair of twins, and his son ends up, uh, I guess, being a, he he becomes one with a worm. Okay. So that's kind of the job. That was kind of the inspiration for oh, Jabba sure. the Hut yeah. to some degree. But plus, just the planet of Tatooine was kind of. A derivative Dune life, of the yeah. Dune. so it's interesting how that influence is permeated, science sci-fi. You know what I mean?
1: Well, and also just you know Joseph Campbell, the the uh, you know the hero's journey. You know, I mean it's the same thing. Paul Atreides, the reluctant hero who's you know the boy who's called on a great adventure. You know, who has the older mentors. You know, just like uh, Obi Wan and Luke, and you know goes on this great quest and comes upon these great powers you know it that all maps right back to right. joseph campbell and and the that maps back to every hero story that's ever been told so it's yeah they definitely share that same universe uh the matrix i mean there's so many that you know i mean that's become kind of a cliche in hollywood that you right. you turn it you know you've got to follow the joseph campbell model because that's what will make it universally appealing but uh, yeah as far as the the journey they go on is very very similar
0: I'm very interested to see the dune element of the spice because I think that's a super interesting portion of the story that they really never went into as far as like the the kind of visuals and mm-hmm. I mean they had the spice orgies were like I don't, oh, I don't wow. know if it was necessarily all p- the people in the sieges having sex with one another but they would all like do the spice and they would basically be tripping because it was kind of you know, oh, what I mean? it's kind of it's a psychoactive yeah. substance. So, I'd, I'd like to see, you know, I want to see that kind of fleshed out a little bit more well, in hope, the new films. Let's so. hope
1: that something that appeals to him, right? Yeah, no. As far as a film, I can't anything he does. Denis Villeneuve is something that I'll be first in line to see because he's just so unique. He's like a Christopher Nolan. They, he has such a, a unique vision and style that uh, I just so respect, and I love his use of music. Uh, same with Nolan, you know. Such a great music is another character in, in their films. You know, I always, as soon as I come out of either one of their movies, I'm always downloading the soundtrack like, right. immediately. You know, um, yeah. No, there. That, that's ex- those are very exciting projects to look forward to. Um, yeah. What else? What else? Uh, golly, there will of course be so many coming up this fall. Um,
0: what about TV? Because man, since I feel like TV is now in its absolute golden age with the prestige TV, and almost has kind of usurped a lot of the that sort of more like auteurish element that you saw. Mm-hmm. Like, I feel like maybe Hollywood is kind of backed off of that to some degree. I mean, yeah, you still have your Chris Nolans and people like that that are kind of doing their own thing
1: And great independent film. And uh, but yeah, as far as the studio system, I mean, they're they're so they're competing so strongly with TV and and Netflix and the internet, so. You know, it's really become, it's, you know, I've heard from Chris McCrory and so many other, you know, these filmmakers, it's hard. I mean, it's always been hard to get your movies made, but it's really hard to get original movies made. Like when I worked very briefly on Edge of Tomorrow, uh, you know, which was based on a comic book, but a Japanese comic book. It wasn't known here in the States. So it was, you know, and Chris crafted an original story out of that. But, you know, it it didn't do so well at the box office, even though it's such a good, it's a great movie. Um, you know, and I remember Chris, you know, bemoaning that it was another nail in the coffin of original content in Hollywood, right? You know, if it's not a, a Marvel comic or if it's not some massive visual spectacle or even Mission Impossible or, or The Mummy, which is, of course, has such a, you know, based on, on it's hard to get them to finance these big right. movies because it's so risky. And if there's not already a built-in audience to get people off of their iPhones and into the movie theater... You know it's kind of like hollywood back when television first came online it was the same competition you know that's when you know technicolor or, or cinemascope you know these huge spectacles ben-hur and you know to pull people this is something you won't get on your tiny little square tv come back into the theater and see it you know as big as 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 you can imagine so it's i think we're going through that same thing and and yeah so writers that are more interested in developing character and long-form narrative and thankfully they're you know are moving toward television or netflix or hulu or um because it gives you that opportunity which isn't really as as available in film to some extent and yeah like oh i mean like oh i can't wait for stranger things 2. i mean oh that that's one that's top of my list as far as fall that comes out in october too um yeah, so it's it uh, it's a great opportunity too, like for writers and filmmakers too. That uh, you know now because of Netflix and Hulu and you know even Apple, you know, a lot of people are getting into that game now, which is great because then it gives us those that are trying to get their ideas made. It gives you so many more opportunities and so many other avenues. Now it's still hard to get in and get you know get your materials to the right people. That's always the, that's always the the tough game. But, uh, yeah, no, it's, it, it's uh, you're right, it's shifted, very much so. TV used to be kind of the bastard stepchild. Right. You know, oh, I'm in TV, I work in TV, oh, you know. Whereas now, it's, it's such a source of pride. So many people are moving in that direction. Um,
0: for someone with your kind of mind, I, man, you've got to get on. There's a couple Westworld. Mm. I, I I think you would
1: i binge that on the flight oh, to okay. london i was gonna and say I loved it yeah
0: that really gripped me from the first episode yeah absolutely i feel like man
1: yeah that was that was phenomenal
0: and, and you know jonathan nolan
1: wrote yep, that yep. so
0: um
1: and directed a, a number of them i think yeah
0: but also the leftovers that that's funny that that you actually worked on was a f- oh my god what an amazing show yeah, that's I an, that's I an have all-time ATOs, favorite. I haven't, I haven't also,
1: seen it so wrong.
0: Oh, it's so brilliant! It's really emotionally transgressive. So definitely make sure, <laughs> make sure that you're in a good place uh, psychologically when you delve into it. But wow, yeah, it's outstanding.
1: And was the ending satisfactory? Were you? Did it feel like it completed? The... I
0: didn't. I didn't enjoy the ending at all. Mm. But I mean,
1: uh, just, everything. Don't say anything. I can't <laughs> say anything because I will see it.
0: Everything up until that point is just incredible. Now, a lot of people don't like the first... A lot of the criticism is the first season is too dark, but, I mean, I, oh. love, I love it dark. The darker, the better. Exactly. Yeah, I was and, watching
1: Seven again for the first time in many years last night, and I just forgot how... Just visually, just, you know, the black is so fucking black. It's awesome. But, yeah, no, the darker, the better.
0: So I would definitely recommend... Get on that man. <laughs>
1: yes. If only something I had that enough you've time. Seen, uh, right? Well, seriously, you know, it's, it's something like 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 a very good friend of mine who's a who's a, a historical writer. We talk about this a lot, and we're actually good reminders to each other. I have this this painting over here or print. And it's got death pointing at me, and, it's, <laughs> and, it, and it says "write." You know, seriously. And and he he is the maximum. Uh, he's the best at optimizing his time because he has a day job but he gets up at like five o'clock in the morning and writes for two or three hours goes to work comes home writes you know so and he gave me a book called the art of what, the war of art hold on hold it right here the war of art nice yeah it's he nice gave me this book. A tiny little book but it's called the war of art and basically one of the things that, that really struck me in here it says don't rob us the viewing public basically of your imagination." So it's so easy to get distracted by everything going on in life, you know, whether it's watching a TV show or, you know, anything going on in life. And so as an artist, it's 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 so you have to fight this war every day because the ego wants you to do the easy thing. I'll oh, just go on Facebook for a little while. I'll oh, go play a video game. I'll oh, go do this and I love doing all that, right? Too much. So this book and, and my buddy has been a great reminder of, you know what? You need to you need to compartmentalize yourself and push that stuff aside because you've got to work on your stuff you've got to keep working on your art and dedicate time to it because otherwise that time will just keep on slipping by and so that's you know that's something i've really been taking to heart and you know so that's why i haven't watched a lot of tv lately uh i have another filmmaker friend you know who who's not watching you know same thing. you gotta you gotta unplug because it's so great to be influenced by all that it's so great to watch movies and be influenced by all of that but at some point you you have to shut it off and go do your thing otherwise you'll always be distracted and you'll never get your shit done and do you really want to be on your deathbed going oh if only i had instead of you know i gave it my best and i i i worked every day to try to realize my dreams and it, and it you know it's paid off um so so yeah, I've, I've had to try to temper myself um, and, and try to stay focused you know, right now, which is so important because I have this rare opportunity between somebody else's dreams, between big <laughs> movies, work on your stuff. Try not to, you know, other than this wonderful conversation, <laughs> right. don't get too distracted.
0: Um, um, man, I think that's actually, that's. That's a great way to close out the podcast. Honestly, I don't I don't think there's a better Yeah, stop listening idea, to this. Right? Seriously. And go, go do, do your own. art. I go mean, do your seriously. Own shit.
1: Yeah, no it is. It's 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 time is so finite and 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 it you know, we we all live very busy complicated lives, but if you're an artist and you have something you want you know you have something worthwhile that you want to share, don't keep it in your pocket, you know? do it, get it out there, you know, it may fail, but at least you've tried, you know, and it, somebody may, it may affect somebody, it may move somebody, it may move you to the next stage of your career, but you can't just be thinking about it, you can't just be talking about it, and in my, honestly, that is something I, that's my greatest sort of fault, is it's, you know, it's, it's so easy to get distracted, whether it's a, a you know, career as a storyboard artist, which I, of course, is, you know, i as we've talked about, I'm so thankful. But if you want to work on your stuff, you've got to fucking make it, make the time, you know? So that's my lesson to, <laughs> to you folks out there. <laughs> hey,
0: Mark, th- this has been awesome. Thanks so much for coming on and getting schizoid with me. Absolutely. On the podcast. Uh, I, h- I hope we can do this again at some, at some point in the future. I'd love to have you on anytime, man.
1: Well, I deeply appreciate the invitation and, uh, and uh, thank you. Yeah. Well, we're going to sign off. Adios.